Did you hear the big news? We started a private university. We are rolling out a new design certificate program and a master's degree program along with our Design Suite Mastermind. We have new enrollment dates coming up for these programs. And if you want to watch a 10-minute video and learn more, go to designsuitecourses.com learn. Welcome to the Make and Design Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Gardner. On this podcast, we're unraveling the everyday joys and dilemmas of design, making, and business. For makers who want to be designers and for designers who are makers, this is your inside scoop to help you grow your business and bring more creativity to your life. Hi, designers. Today, I want to talk about tools. I am watercoloring today. It's a little bit of an object lesson. So if you're on the podcast, no worries. I'm going to explain to you what's going on. Uh, But if you do want to come over to the YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash Karina Gardner. Okay, so if you're on the podcast or if you're on the YouTube channel, feel free to head over to the podcast because that's a great way to listen while you are cooking, working, driving, all that good stuff. Okay, so one of the things I would love to talk about today is tools. Uh, it is such a, a simple thing, but so many times I see creatives in general feel like they do not want to have the right tools and they don't want to use tools. Now there are some tools that we for sure have to use. Like I'm watercoloring today. And so the actual watercolors are a tool that I think no one's going to object to if they want to actually watercolor. And actually for this object lesson, I have a, um, a masking tape. And I'm going to use this as a tool today, not as masking tape, but as a circle, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lay this down and I'm going to create a circle with my pencil, a light circle with it so that I can get a perfect circle. Now, I think an artist a million years ago would have said that's cheating to use a circle to draw, to let it be used as my template for creating this watercolor. But nowadays, most of us would say that it's not that big of a deal, right? It's kind of a fun way to uh, create something and it doesn't distract from me deciding that I'm gonna watercolor, right? So here's the thing, just like I think failure is a construct of the mind, I think the do's and don'ts that we place on artists and designers also constructs of society. Like our, our idea of what is art and what is not art It is all, someone has told you that it is uh, one way or the other. It's not because you just made it up. It's because someone in art school, someone somewhere told you that this is the way an artist behaves, right? So some of those things I I wanna bring into question for you today as we talk, because one of the things that I think that you have to do is really start thinking about what does it mean to you to be a designer and what kind of tools are you going to utilize? What are the things that are in your belt that will help you become a designer? Now, back in the 80s and 90s and before that, designers were called commercial artists and commercial artists used all sorts of things to create their commercial art, you know, for advertising posters and otherwise. This included things like lithography, screen printing, you know, all these fun things that in a lot of ways most of us don't use in daily life anymore, but they were taught in design school. 
Now, and definitely when I taught school um, over 20 years ago, we taught Illustrator and Photoshop and how to uh, create designs that made sense, right? Um, and so what I am telling you is that the tools have changed. The tools have changed over time. What we accept as tools have totally changed. So we see that a little bit with generative AI right now. We also see it with designers who use clip art. In some ways, I don't see a big difference in the way people are using generative AI, except for like that they're using the full thing instead of illustrating it themselves versus clip art. And when I started my career in the craft industry, I just finished my doctorate, we used a lot of clip art. Designers were never meant to be illustrators. <clears throat> So let me, let me give you an example of this. In, in college, you could choose multiple paths in an art department. There was like the fine artist path. There was the illustrative path. There was the graphic design path. And there was the teaching art path, okay? So I saw very often that that was like, the hierarchy of the school structure. And I think in a lot of schools, it still exists. Like professors and students all know that to be a fine artist, you're at the very top track, right? Which is ironic because I don't think fine artists make very much money. Same with the illustrators, second tier. Third tier was like graphic design, which is very fascinating because I know a lot of graphic designers who make a lot of money. So even though it was third tier and supposedly lower, I felt like they were getting a ton of skills that you weren't seeing the illustrators and the fine artists get. And then last but not least was art education, which shouldn't be at the bottom. I kind of feel like the ones that they should be the ones at the top. So really fascinating the way the structure works. But once again, construct of society construct of the way that professors think about things and a lot of like the old guard you guys like the old guard they're kind of like um kind of putting into place like what is fine art you know what makes something good and I do think some of it is not subjective I think there's a lot of objective things in art and people don't realize that they think it's all subjective I don't think that's true I think there are actually some very actually objective things in art that you can talk about why this particular piece of art is better than this piece of art, right? But in terms of like the tier structure, I think it's a little bit baloney, okay? I know I'm probably gonna get some slack, especially from professors about that because a career is a career is a career. And so the whole idea that some people are just better than others based on you know how much talent they come into a program with when the whole point of being in college is to learn, in my opinion, my little humble opinion, is the whole point <laughs> to come into college is to just learn, right? So that we can become better. And so, um, you know, some of the times, you know, I'm here on the YouTube channel, the podcast, telling you guys how I'm thinking about things. It's not because I just am thinking about them and I think it'd be really great and X, Y, and Z. It's because like, I really do think things need to change, especially with the way we, uh, we measure art and the way we measure the way we do, uh, we, we treat our students and who is better, who is not better. It's just like a very, it's an interesting structure and culture, you guys. Okay, I got off track. Okay, let's go back to talking about tools. So tools mean different things to different people in different periods of time, okay? So a lithographer 
needed the tools of, you know, what they were using or a screen printer would need the tools of what they were using in order to create their marketing pieces. So me using the masking tape as a circle so that I could kind of figure out this tree that I am, this lemon tree that I'm kind of building here. Um, the whole point of it is just to, uh, to use it as a tool. And so I can only imagine, and I wasn't there for this because I was still in high school and middle school when this happened, but that transition to digital and computers in the early, for early graphic designers, what that really looked like, right? Because I have a feeling that some people looked at those tools and they said, that's not really tools you should use. Those, those ruin the art. That you're not really an artist or creative if you use a computer to create that art. Fast forward 25, 35 years and all of us use computers to create our art. We teach it. We, uh, we're using now iPads, uh, we're using things that feel a little more like we're hand drawing it, but at the end of the day, they are still tools that at some point someone said, that is not real art because you're drawing it directly into a computer and you're not using your hand. So I just want you to question even all the stuff coming out with generative AI. I am not saying whether generative AI is good or bad. I'm not saying whether it's like gonna take over the world. I'm just saying that in some ways, if we decide to think of it as a tool, and here's the thing, you guys, it is making lots of things that we do better. Um, has anybody looked recently at the changes they're making to the Adobe programs themselves? I have. We act, In our AI conference, that was one of the things we talked about and looked at. One of the things that I see is back in the day, I would have to extract by hand. And when I say back in the day, I mean like two years ago, you guys. <laughs> this is not long ago. Two years ago, I would, was still extracting by hand all of my design work. You know, in our in the Silhouette store, we have to produce um, uh, our, our designs. Like, so if I have a 3D design, I then have to put it on a white background, which means that, you know, I photograph it in real time somewhere in my office, but then I have to go in and I have to change the artwork. Like I have to extract it out. I have to add a shadow to it. I have to do these artificial things to make it look real, which is ironic, right? And um, I just think it's really fascinating that now with a touch of a button in Photoshop, things get automatically extracted for me. That the AI understands and knows what I need to do to get the extraction that I need from uh, the image that I have, okay? So this is, um, sorry, I have an itch in my eye, you guys. Um, I think this is fascinating because I haven't seen anybody get upset by that. I haven't seen anyone get upset by that. Why? Because it helps us and we can see the immediate and direct benefit of it. So that, I mean, that is an incredible tool for us as designers. What used to take us a long time in production, by the way, that is a piece of the design 
process model. So like the more AI and other things can help us with production, the faster we can become so we can actually spend more time on the artwork. Now that's an interesting idea. If we can spend more time on the creative work, which is the reason most of us like to do this anyway and want to do this, is because we love the creative work, then wouldn't that be an amazing thing for us? Wouldn't that actually change everything for us? And so I'm really very excited about some of the changes that I see coming up. It was only, it was October 2020. It might be a little bit earlier than that, but I remember when Illustrator for the iPad came out and it was game changer. And I don't think very many people are using it the way they ought to be using it because um, they've all decided that Procreate, because Procreate feels easier, um, is the way to go. But I'm here to tell you like Illustrator on the iPad it was game changer for those of us who really wanted to create amazing vector pieces. Okay, so those of you who are on YouTube with me and you can see me um, painting, you can see I'm using this circle as my tool, as my guide to create this lemon tree. I'm just kind of like throwing this together almost really fast here because I'm almost to the end of this episode. And I just wanted to show you how I use that tool. Now, of course I can add things to this, right? This is a tree. I've done a tree like this before on a much bigger paper. But let's just pretend I'm going to add like a branch to it. And maybe I added branches throughout here. You could like add little, little branches in the brown paint, right, to kind of spiff it up. And you can do some other things to it. You could add more layers to it. You could add it into some kind of pot. Let's, let's put a little, we're just going to do a quick and easy little blue pot. Super watered down here. Okay, but I think that we need to pay attention to the tools we're using, pay attention to what we think are not tools we should be using, um, and just remember that some of it's subjective based on placement in history. So maybe people were upset by computers in the early 1990s or uh, late 18 or 1980s because they didn't feel like it was really art. Now, most of us make our art on computers. So just pay attention to that. I think it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting topic as we are going through so many changes in our design industry right now and how we're staying on top and pivoting to make sure that it all works for us. I love having you guys here. Hopefully you're really enjoying these. And if you are on the podcast, feel free to come over and subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Karina Gardner. I'm here making stuff while I'm talking to you. If you are on the YouTube channel, you just need um, a place to go so that you can listen while you're cooking or you're uh, driving. Come check us out on the podcast at Make and Design. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, did you know that you can visit me at makeanddesign.com to learn more about this podcast and join my VIP group for weekly freebies? I can't wait to see you there.